Hi, I'm Cloda, and this is the China Chats podcast. If you've listened to us before, welcome back. If you're new, hi. I'm Cloda, and I aim to give you an unfiltered, unbiased peek into the everyday lives of people with a China connection. If you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. So, if while you're listening, you think of a China story, or you really resonate with something that we are chatting about, we would love to hear from you. And you can reach us at chinachatspod@gmail.com or pop us a DM on Instagram, the China Chats Podcast. Before we jump into this week's guest interview, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone listening for the support of the first couple of episodes. I've had some really lovely messages and emails, and I can't thank you enough for not only taking the time to listen but also taking the time to reach out. I want to share a couple of messages with you, so let's read out some listener emails. The first one goes, "Hi, Cloda, love the podcast." Could you explain a bit more about that term you talked about in China, guanxi, the relationship stuff? <laughs> Absolutely, that is a great question. I included a little bit more context of the term guanxi in the show notes from last week's episode, but let me read that out for you here to give you a bit more context. So. This term that Kimberly and I discussed last week—it's how you get things done in China. It's all about guanxi. It's about your network. It's about who you know. So, to give you a loose definition of this term, guanxi loosely translates as personal connections, relationships, or social networks. It implies trust and mutual obligations between parties, and it operates on personal, familial, social. Business and political levels, having good, bad, or no guanxi impacts one's influence and ability to get things done. I think this kind of concept exists all over the world, but it's extremely intense in China. China is all about connections, who you know, and. It has such an impact when you're trying to do anything in China, or trying to find a certain type of job, or if many, many different situations, it really comes into play. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for your email. Okay, I have one more email to get through this week, and the email goes: Hi, Cloda. I'm surprised to say I really enjoyed your first podcast episode. I've never been to China, but It really fascinates me. You mentioned the term WeChat. Can you tell us more about this app? Is it pretty much just the same as WhatsApp? This is a great question, and I love talking about all things social media and technology in China. So, let me explain what WeChat is. If you think of WhatsApp as a messaging app, the primary function of WhatsApp is to keep in contact with people. You can send messages, you can send voice notes, you can video call, and you can audio call. It is to keep in contact. But there's not much of a social aspect to it. If you look at WeChat in comparison to WhatsApp, WhatsApp's main functionality is communication, whereas WeChat has so many functionalities. On WeChat, you can add friends, so it's still technically a private network, but you can also have a public page or a public channel. If somebody is WeChat friends with you, 
you can see what they post on their moments. You can think of moments as essentially something really similar to a Facebook newsfeed. So it's basically people can choose if they want to post a message or pictures or a video. So on WeChat, you have this function. So it's quite a social app. You can not only keep in contact with people by sending messages, private messages, group messages, very similar to WhatsApp, but you also have this social Facebook-esque type interaction. Now, another functionality of WeChat is there are a lot of mini programs in the app. This essentially means there are a lot of basically add-ons that WhatsApp could only ever dream of. <laughs> Let me introduce a couple. One is a payment functionality. So if you're in Ireland and you're familiar with Revolut, that is basically integrated into the app. So if you think of WhatsApp and you also have a payment function in there, that's a lot more similar to WeChat. Not only does it have this payment function, but it has so much more. I'll read out a few and... I think you'll get the gist of what the app is like. So some services include mobile top up. You can top up your mobile phone from within the app. Also within the app is a public services section where you can do some things that are public services, for example, hospital appointments. You can also donate to charity within the app. You can book plane tickets or train tickets without leaving the app. You can also book the Chinese version of Uber, which is Didi, within the WeChat app. And I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to WeChat than there is to WhatsApp. And I think there's definitely a gap in the market in the West when it comes to this type of app. But nobody seems to have done anything about it just yet. I hope that gives you a little bit more of an idea of what the app is like. And if you would like me to explain more about different Chinese apps, please just send me an email or DM me and let me know. You can always send any feedback or any questions that you have to chinachatspod at gmail.com or just DM me on Instagram. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode. Today, I am so excited to be chatting to Jen Tomsky. In this conversation, Jen gives you some really great advice on how to grow your Instagram and TikTok accounts. And we also chat about studying in China. And we'll give you some free resources on how you can apply for a scholarship to be able to do that. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jen. Jen is a marketing professional and a content creator in Edmonton, Canada. With over 110,000 followers across her social media channels, she has garnered a loyal following on YouTube. There, she shared her journey about learning Mandarin, her travels across China, and even covers of Mandarin songs. This lady can sing in Mandarin, and trust me, it is beautiful. You have to check it out. She has recently established her own communications company, specializing in social media management, video production, and influencer management, among many other services. So I am so happy to be sharing this conversation with you. Without further ado, let's chat. Welcome to the 
China Chats podcast. Today we have on Jen Tomsky. Welcome to the podcast. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here. Fun fact: this is my first ever podcast. Oh, I did not know that. Well, I am so honored to be your first podcast. We are so happy to have you on, and we cannot wait to get chatting on all things China, career, and learning Mandarin, learning Chinese. So, welcome. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Let's okay. First thing, let's jump into career. I think、uh, career is such a tricky thing for me. It's definitely not been a straight path like some people have. And I think for you, I've loved following your career journey on YouTube and on your Instagram. And I feel like you've had such an interesting journey. So, if you were to give like a whistle stop tour of your career so far. How would you describe it? Ooh, that is a loaded question. Ooh, so I've been doing marketing for as long as I can remember, like when I was even in university. So I've been essentially doing social media and all of that because I love social media. So I was doing my own stuff and I was doing social media on the like for work work as well. So my whole life is social media. So I've been doing that for about like eight nine years now, and I've gone from doing tourism stuff. I've done malls. I've done. Um, right now, it's I'm working for an AI company,、um, doing it as well. So that's fun. That one's a good one, actually. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And then throughout that entire process of my actual career, I've been also trying to grow myself on the side. So you know, starting YouTube, doing Instagram, and I've been going from doing like local stuff、um, here in Edmonton. I've been doing、um, my whole journey learning. Mandarin and traveling through China, and recently I went to Taiwan, and you know, basically showcasing all of that, and it's just been a lot of fun trying to like grow those pages and like see how interested people are around the world in this content, and it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, so everything social media essentially. Okay, that's that's super interesting. Can we first of all jump into the? I want to get to the YouTube and the social media in general because I find it really interesting. But can we jump into the AI for a second? How did you end up working for an AI company, and what do you think of you know like AI, the future of AI? I think it's such a hot topic at the moment. So yeah, how did you get into that? This is a hot topic right now. So、um, when I came back from Taiwan, right now the job market is crazy. So I was looking for a job for probably like three to four months. In between, I did end up working for the Canada-China Business Council for a little while as well,、um, doing like helping out with social media stuff too. While I was just looking for an actual permanent job, because、mm-hmm. that one was just a contract position. So I was like looking, 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 and then all of a sudden, I see like I had two people from university who already worked for this company. It's called Amy Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute, and. It's actually one of the top ten research institutes for AI in the world. Wow! Boom! I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" So I did just apply, and I had the most incredible interview experience of my life. Like, there were four interviews、um, with it, and sorry, I just get so like buzzed with like how cool. Their vibe is. I I call it the Google of Canada. I don't know if I'm allowed to say <laughs> that, but it's just super funky. Like they have like workspaces and like, I mean like、um, co-working spaces,、mm-hmm. and yeah, there's there's just like so many like fun things about it, and it's like super young, youthful,、um, really intelligent people that work there who are really like driving what AI actually looks like. And there's like a different aspect to AI than like. What we are used to seeing,、mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of the part that I would say that I work on. <laughs> yeah. So, what's your like general opinion on AI? You seem 
you seem super positive about AI. Obviously, you're working in it. You have a really good understanding as well. I think a lot of people from looking from the outside in that don't understand much about it, they're super intimidated. And a lot of people are like scared because some jobs will eventually be replaced by AI. So yeah, from somebody who understands a lot more about it because you're working in it, what do you think the future of AI looks like? Is it as scary as some people think? Is it exciting? What do you so, think? Okay, so I question you this. When the internet was first introduced, people were terrified, mm -hmm. right? And now we have a new technology being introduced. But look at how the internet has changed how we live. Yeah. Look at how, like, everything that we can now do with it. And in fact, it hasn't gotten rid of jobs. I mean, maybe like a few, but that's just us evolving as a, as a society. Like, sure, newspapers aren't as much a thing anymore because we can just access it online. But hey, there's still people writing them. There's still people, like, doing things in that realm. It's just digital and it's online. So when you look at AI, the way that I see it is that it's not even going to be getting rid of jobs. Like, some jobs will naturally, like, just stop happening. But now look at how many jobs are being created because of it. I look at my workplace and I see, like, I never would have pictured myself in tech. But look at that. Like, look at what the heck. <laughs> how would I end up here? But, like... I look at it and I just see like all of these amazing research is what they're doing. These people who are studying computer, like people who are studying like business, the way that they have to now approach problems is just such in a different way. So to me, I don't look at it as it's like replacing things. I look at it as like, okay, now we're just developing new skills. So maybe you can't be like a writer in the same way anymore or whatever, but now you have to, how do you use chat GPT? Like you can just use it as a tool. Like it's a new skill that you have to learn to be able to do these things. Mm. Yeah. So becoming an expert in a different way, essentially. Yeah. That's I, kind I, of how I see it. There's a lot more behind it, but that's the general gist of how I see it. I completely agree. I think it's a really refreshing mentality to have because so many people are just kind of like down with this. We like, we don't understand <laughs> it. We don't have enough information. We're scared of it. Let's just try and cut it out or cut it down and not advance. But there's always going to be advancements. There's always going to be like technological advancements. And I think as long as you don't try to run and hide from it, you can make the most of it. So totally. yeah. Like, other like, otherwise, we're always going to be scared because there's always something new happening. I don't want to be that person. I'm not always going to be scared. I'm going to say, oh, AI, what's that? Let's use it. Oh, my goodness. Threads, what is that? Let's use it. I don't use it anymore, though, because it's a little <laughs> bit boring. But <laughs> you know like we don't want to be scared of these things these changes like we got to embrace them because like they're here so we might as well you learn how to use it to our advantage completely agree that's that's incredible i didn't see us having this conversation today but i'm so glad that we did that is <laughs> yeah, so <literally>. cool <laughs> okay so let's step away from ai slightly but still in kind of the tech social media field you currently have your own um communications business marketing and communications and you do short form video you do influ influencer management social media management um i feel like the love of this correct me if i'm wrong probably stemmed from putting yourself out there on social media and you honed your skills by doing your own for example instagram for example youtube i mean your Instagram and YouTube are incredible. You have followers not only on Instagram and YouTube, but you have them on TikTok and you have them on Chinese TikTok, Chinese YouTube. That's super amazing. Um, you posted your first video on YouTube on February 15th, 2018. That's five whole years. Whoa. 
how how has that YouTube journey been for you? It's been crazy. I think at first, like I just wanted to do it for fun. Like I've always loved editing videos and I'll tell you a secret. That's not my first channel. Like I had a channel since I was like 14 years old. Mm. So you know, the era of Zoella and Alfie days and, um, you know, like the British YouTubers. Yeah. Boy Savan, when he was literally just a YouTuber. Like, <laughs> so I wanted to be like them. I wanted to, I wanted to be lifestyle and cute and, and, you know. Okay, so, yeah, so I started that channel when I was starting, I think my Mandarin journey, like right from the very beginning. And I thought it would be really cool to like document it. So I started to do it. And then I started to learn that like people are really interested in this because I was really interested in it. I wanted to watch people traveling in China. I wanted to see other like foreigners, like way of speaking, et cetera, et cetera. So I just wanted to document my journey. And then it just did better and better. And I was like, whoa, people are watching this. This is kind of weird. And then more and more people started watching. And then um, some people from China were actually watching. And I was like, whoa. So I actually also started my Chinese social media after that. And then everything just went up, up, and up, and up, and up, and up. And I've been taking a bit of a break now, but that's been the journey so far. That's really cool. How did you find it? So you started like your, let's say, Western channels, for example, your YouTube and Instagram, then you seen that there was an audience from China. So you started the Chinese ones. Was there like a learning curve on that? Or was it pretty similar? Oh, no, 100%. Like even from using the app. Did you know that Billy Billy requires a quiz for you to what what did is you that? know? Did you know that you can pay people to take that quiz for you? I, Not that I did. <laughs> you did? I know people that did, um, but it's such a complex quiz. It's it apparently like because Billy Billy was more anime focused and stuff like that. It was and maybe gamers, I think, and they wanted to keep it a specific type of platform. So they had this quiz that you need to pass it, take all these questions. It takes ages. I've tried it myself before, and oh my god, you tried yeah. it! Oh my goodness, bro! I did not even dare take that step. <laughs> Yeah, that's a hard one. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so was it, did you find it completely different then? Like your style of video or was it just, you know, putting um, subtitles on a video you'd already made? Or did you find it you had to make a different type of content or interact with people differently? I think at first I was making different types of content. But then I, after that, I just started putting subtitles on all of my current videos because it's like, it's a lot to create a video. Like it's mm -hmm. a lot. So I was like, let's just repurpose as much as we can. Um, they seem to be enjoying it anyway. So I was like, I'll just repost it. And I just started to try to speak more Mandarin in those videos just so that it could be a bit more friendly for them. Um, and yeah, people like really enjoyed it, I think. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it actually. <laughs> for sure. I am... Um... Yeah, I find it really interesting, like the similarities, but the differences between like YouTube and Billy Billy or like TikTok and Douyin. Uh, I, I think it's insane and I, I'll always find it really interesting. But like you said, it's creating a whole different video for a different platform is literally not double, sometimes triple the work because you need to do it in Mandarin or you need to, you know, have a specific style. And I can't imagine I, I put my... You know, I think people who can do that and make different types of videos for different platforms are amazing. Um, so with your YouTube, you said that you started it and you wanted to document learning Chinese, learning Mandarin. Did you find as people were really liking the channel that there was more and more pressure on you? 
Yeah, actually, that's a really interesting point. I did. I felt like I had to make videos. I felt like I had to be at a certain level. I felt like, because I even know, like, I mean, I haven't spoken it in a while, but my Chinese is not fluent, like not anywhere near it. So like, imagine like you're just first learning and you're just trying to like, you just want to talk because it's good practice. And then like, but you're only talking to yourself. So it's also weird. So the only feedback you get is when people watch it. So then people are like, oh, you said this wrong or, oh, you said this wrong or like, oh, this didn't make any sense or something like that. Then I feel pressure that I'm like, oh my goodness, next time it has to be perfect. So sometimes like when I was filming these videos, I would literally sit there and I would have a script sometimes because I was like, okay, this is good practice for my writing. I would mm -hmm. get a Chinese friend to look it over and then I would actually film. But then saying the tones was a whole other ball game. So I would sometimes talk to the camera one line five to 10 times to make sure that it felt and looked like sounded right to me. So filming a five minute video would take me maybe like an hour and a half sometimes. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, it's wild. It's actually wild. And like, imagine then I have to edit that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I completely get why you do that though, because sometimes you say something because you want to practice it and people are like, oh, you're saying this wrong. And you say something and it's right. And they're like, oh, it could have been, it could have been better. You know, it, but you should try to say that in a more complicated way. And you're like, I'm just trying to learn. I'm just trying I'm to be better. I'm a kindergartner in the Mandarin language. Please don't pressure me. <laughs> That's yeah, I know. I feel like there's definitely a lot of pressure. And did you feel like you had a lot of people also learning Chinese along with you? I mean, you did like, you know, Chinese, like Mandarin learning challenges, like language challenges. You you were like, you were like the study partner that people wanted to study along with. And I feel like that encouraged a lot of people to either start or to continue studying Mandarin. Did you feel like, pressured that way I don't think so I think at that time like I think like are you referring to like the the lives that I did the the study with me those ones you were like so um like encouraging to people who were learning Mandarin mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah so I I had like a lot of people like in my classes because I was like at the same time I was taking classes at the university so um I was I had a lot of friends there. So we were all kind of like studying together and stuff. So that was really motivating for me as it was. Cause, but then, then I met people on Instagram like you and then like through YouTube as well, like just through my lives, I started to like see like similar names and I'm like, Oh my goodness, like these are my people. And then I was like, Oh my goodness, I love everyone. Like this is the cutest community I've like ever been a part of. And so then I was like, Hey guys, like I want to have phone calls with you. Like let's have some phone calls. So I set up like video chats with people and some days, like I would be on video calls for eight hours, just talking to people about like their journey, learning Mandarin, like just having good old chats. Like but this was during COVID times. So I actually had a lot of time to do that. Now mm -hmm. I can, but it was just beautiful. Like, you know, when you get to connect with people and hear other people's stories from literally all around the world, people having a similar interest, like I just got chills. Like, it's so beautiful. It really is. Yeah, I think it says a lot about you and your personality that you are willing to and able to connect with people like that, because I feel like a lot of people just wouldn't. They're just not interested in it. They want to put the content out there. They want to get views. They want to get subs and that's it. They're like, yeah, that's me. I'm done. Honestly, like that's nice. But like, to be honest in that industry, it's not like you can really get like partnerships that often or anything. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a different world, I'd say. So I think connecting with people, like when you're 
because I made the whole thing just because I was passionate about it and just because I wanted to learn. So meeting these other people when Edmonton has like no people learning Mandarin, like there's a few, you know, but they're not passionate. So that's like finding those people is really special. So connecting with them one on one is a whole different ball game, you know, it's just nice. And then you have like lifelong friends. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's really cool. I think if we look at your long form content that you like, you spent years on long form content, like especially YouTube, Billy Billy. But lately, you seem to be focusing a lot more on short form content as in your TikTok has like blown up. You are posting every time I see something on your Instagram or on your TikTok, I'm like, I have to go to Edmonton. I need to go to Edmonton. There is so much to do and so much to eat. And I'm like, how is she finding all of these places to eat, all of these things to do? So tell us more about basically showing people what there is to do in Edmonton. Yeah, I loved this actually. I felt like when I yeah, like when I came back from Taiwan, like I felt like something was missing. On one note, my hard drive broke and it is still being fixed to this day. So it's been eight months, nine months, actually. So I was, I felt a little bit like lost because I was like, I, I can't put out my long form content because it was all on my hard drive. So I'm like, I'm still waiting, 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 waiting. But something I, I felt empty because I'm like, video is my life. And I was like, I can't keep posting on YouTube if I don't have like if I haven't posted the rest of my Taiwan stuff, like that's how that works in my head. So I was yeah. like, I can't keep doing that. I was like, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to see what I can do. So I was like, what makes me happy? Eating and my city. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a beautiful town. Um, and also one of my closest friends has been a food blogger for quite some time. And like, we always used to do stuff together anyway. So I started to pick that up again. And I was like, let's go and like investigate some of these places. I started going places with her a lot. Um, you know, when you have a page like hers, businesses just come to her and they say, Hey, we're opening. Can you come check us out? So that like, that was happening to her and she would just bring me along. I'd also make videos. And then I like to think that like, I know the strategies now, like, you know, after having a company working in social media for so long, like I knew already some of the ways that I can get, like build it quite quickly. So mm -hmm. I wanted to challenge myself just to see how I could do that. Um, but like focusing just on the community. So, uh, yeah, so I just started doing that more and more and more. And then like, who knows, like within a month, I think I had an extra like 6,000 followers. And then like, it, like, yeah, it was like crazy. I was like, literally like four months ago, yeah, in four months, I grew like 15,000. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. So on both TikTok and Instagram. So it's like, it's crazy. But like, I like it because to me, I want to showcase to people in my city now, like, the things that they can do to live their best life. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, go like, don't just sit at home and play games. Like, I yeah, so just being able to showcase, like, the things that you can actually go and do rather than just sitting on your bum, then like it makes life more fun, you know? So that's kind of my goal now is, is to do that until I can, you know, um, get my hard drive back and start posting long form again. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, you didn't have to do that. So I think the fact that you just adapted and went with it says a lot about you as a, as a creator. If you could give somebody, as somebody who's grown their both Instagram and TikTok quite a lot in the last few months, if you could give somebody like three tips on starting or on growing their TikTok specifically, what would that be? Ooh, I would say having a strong hook and there's like a lot of research behind this and like, there's so much I could go into with that, but that is one of the 
like key things, like really just actually label your target audience in your hook, essentially. I always say like Edmontonians, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's for Edmonton people like boom. Um, number two is to have it within 20 seconds. Um, like, and yeah, I'd say 20 seconds. Like if you go like more than that, like it's hard to keep people engaged these days. So people will only stay engaged if you're using like really solid transitions. If you're like, like if you have some kind of value that might work as well, there's a lot of, again, more research behind that, but I would just say 20 seconds or less. Um, and then the third one is that every piece of content should have value and value could come in many different ways. And that could be, okay, you're providing them like insight into a place that they could go to, or like something that's savable or shareable, mm -hmm. um, number. Yeah. And then, but like, Hmm, how should I say it? Like value could also come in the form of like entertainment. So it could be like skits or something like that too, but that's relatable or, you know, something like that. Like value can come in a lot of different ways based off of your audience. And that's just important to know and figure out. Yeah. I think that that's three amazing tips. I heard from somebody for it before you can either educate, inform or entertain. And that's the three main things. So yeah, that's literally spot on. I think they're really valuable tips for anybody looking to grow their social media or to start social media, but don't know where to start. You can definitely yeah. brainstorm and do like a diagram of so many different ideas that you could do with just those tips. Um, so last question on kind of the career or on YouTube specifically, do you have a favorite YouTube video that you've ever made? Wait. Um, I feel like I thought about this. Oh, I really, okay. Recently I posted a cover. I like my covers to be honest. I just think like, it's so cute to look back on now. So I, I made a cover, um, and it was like this song. What even was the title? Oh goodness me gracious. Okay. Um, forget about the title, but basically in the video, like I was just going around to different places inside of Taipei and Taiwan and like, just like traveling around and and like lip syncing the song and it was just so cute because it's like a travel vlog but also a cover in one and I just thought that was really fun to film and to do and yeah I enjoyed that one <laughs> that's amazing yeah you have so many YouTube videos that literally I've, I've sat over the past couple of weeks and watched so many and I'm like this girl can do everything. She oh Not only can she speak Mandarin, but she can also sing in Mandarin. So if we jump over into our next topic of conversation, so let's talk language. When it comes to learning Mandarin, what is your kind of Mandarin origin story? What made you want to learn Mandarin? This is like the dumbest thing you're ever gonna hear. I was working at the body shop, my little part-time job way back in the day. And I was like moving over from faculties at my school. And I was going from physics to business. Physics. Who is she? Why? Why'd she do that? Um, anyway, I was moving over and I was working at the body shop. And I was like, I was talking to my friend one day and she's my best friend and she's from China. And I was like, I was like, Hey, like I can just take any classes that I want. Like, what should I just take? And she was like, she was like, just take like Chinese. <laughs> I was like, why would I do that? And she goes, I'll help you. And it's so easy. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, it's so like, it's the dumbest thing, but yeah, then she did help me. I was learning the names of all of the little body butters. Like I was learning <laughs> mango and strawberry and stuff. And she would quiz me every day and stuff. And it was like, it was the funniest little thing. And no, I'm really grateful for her. Like she was a really like pivotal step for me to realize who I am, but also like start this Mandarin journey, which was really, yeah, beautiful. Shout out Tiffany. 
that's incredible i think that's one of the favorite mandarin origin stories i've ever heard the fact that it's somebody you actually liked as well and they helped like influence the decision in a good way that's that's pretty cool um looking at your language journey then at the moment you speak mandarin do you speak cantonese as well or just mandarin just mandarin i learned how to say one thing in cantonese though do you want to hear it is it good or bad Oh, it's probably really bad. I don't know. I don't actually know what it's supposed to sound like, but it's, it's, it's okay. Actually, should I even say it? People are going to be like, that's embarrassing for her. Um, it's okay. So I was going to Macau and, and I was like, okay, I was worried. Cause I'm like, do they like, do they speak Mandarin there? Like, I don't know. Um, so I was going there and I was like, okay, so it's Cantonese, Portuguese and English, English. Yeah. in English, obviously. Um, and I was like, okay, so, but I still wanted to practice like somehow. So I was like, I was like, or I can't remember. I can't remember what I, if I'm saying it even right, but it's just basically asking them if they can speak Mandarin. Oh, okay. Well, it, yeah. It sounds I, I don't speak Cantonese, but it sounds quite close. <laughs> so only thing I know it's the only thing. <laughs> that's that, no, that's pretty cool but if you you mainly speak mandarin right but also you've traveled a lot within china so i'm sure you've heard like different dialects and stuff like that jumping from somebody who speaks english as a first language and then jumping into mandarin how did you find that did you find it super difficult to start with i think that yeah at first it was pretty hard like you probably also know like the struggles of this it's like hearing so many different um, like accents and different dialects, like it's, it's kind of intense, but, um, I think like watching a lot of dramas helped actually, because it really improved my, my listening. Uh-huh. To yeah. top, top tip for learning Mandarin or learning any language. First watch TV, <laughs> watch mm-hmm. the local TV. And then second, listen to music in that language. And yeah, literally that's yeah. the biggest thing, to be honest. That's another thing I wanted to ask you is, how did you get into kind of learning songs in Mandarin then? Because I feel like it's one thing to learn to speak the language, but to be able to sing songs in that language is a whole other kettle of fish. I love how you say that because to me, it's the opposite. I actually thought that learning the songs was super easy because like the songs are just like sounds. You don't have to think about the tones in the songs. Mm. Um, and, but it helped me like understand how to do like the shh, shh, like that sound like I didn't know how to do that without like first or like even the errs you know like there's not an err like run like no it's not that you know it's like it's different and like so the songs helped me get to those like like get to those sounds I guess um yeah that's super interesting I've actually never thought of it that way but I have heard people say that they find it quite easy to sing in mandarin because they don't have to remember tones <laughs> that's one of their favorite things i'm like there's a singer called alec benjamin and he mm-hmm. has remade a couple of his songs in mandarin and he I'll said oh he, yeah he has like remade them and they're in mandarin i'll send you some links they're incredible and he i heard in an interview he said you know my mandarin is not great i only speak a few words but i find it so much easier to sing in mandarin because i don't have to remember the tones and i was like hmm that guy is on to something facts yeah no it's great honestly like and and you can learn so many like new words really easy through there right because some of the phrases when they're in a song are like so simple sometimes they're like too like like poetry i'd say but like sometimes they're just really literal and really easy to learn new words as well so yeah so learning a completely different language like mandarin do you find that that has had a major influence on your career 
I think like in, in some ways, yes, like maybe not in my professional, professional career, but like my side career, I'd say it has <laughs> like, you know, I found myself emceeing the uh, Lunar New Year events here in Edmonton, um, in Mandarin and also volunteering like with Chinatown and stuff like that. Like that's a bit more, like it's really meaningful to me and it's, it kind of, is able to connect me with the culture here, um, which has been really nice during the time that I can't actually go to China. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think sometimes it's difficult to like correlate. It might have a big impact on your career or on your side career or your passion projects or whatever that is, but it doesn't always have to have a direct kind of impact and be your main job. But at the same time, as somebody who I think we have something in common as people who used to live in China and then left and couldn't go back to China. It's nice to be able to do something with it without having it consume everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to kind of have that on the side and just whip it out and be like, hey, fun fact. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, it's nice. And the opportunities it can provide for you that are like more fulfilling outside of work is, is nice. So if we jump into talking about travel, you have done some amazing travels that I think anyone can go and check out on your YouTube. Uh, you've made some really cool travel with me videos or studying in Taiwan, studying in different places. You seem to be somebody that really likes to travel. So what has been your favorite kind of travel destination so far? Ooh, ooh, that's a real good one. Um, I really enjoyed going to Shenzhen. Um, I also really enjoyed Taipei and also in Taiwan, I really enjoyed Kaohsiung because it's just so beautiful there. I just, oh, I just love like when there's like funky vibes, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you like, imagine you're like by the water and then like all of a sudden there's like a bunch of shops on the pier and it's like, but the shops are like cool and hip shops. They're like, like like locally made things and like just cool vibes man like i don't know i just really <laughs> enjoy that and my top destination that i want to go to so bad and i'm going there next year chengdu oh oh no way yeah. oh i'm so excited that's incredible what are the plans what for Chengdu what do your plans look like oh it's actually a whole trip so I'm going to actually like Beijing and then I'm gonna like hop on over to Chengdu and then hop on over to Xi'an hop on over to a few more places yeah maybe Sanya if I can too because I love a good beach that is incredible I would highly recommend Sanya or even Haiko in the north I used to live on Hainan Island for a year no. Sanya has the most incredible beaches and you will definitely get a really sweet tan before you make your way home <laughs> oh my goodness I'm definitely gonna have to ask you more questions about that after because I really want to go there so bad for sure like people call it the Hawaii of China and if you want to eat really good seafood in China um, yeah, Hainan Island, especially Sanya, is one of the best places to go. It is incredible. Oh, you're getting my hopes like real, real high right now. My expectations <laughs> are up, up through the ceiling. Uh, okay, so if we if we look at you traveling in China, I feel like you've been to quite a few places. Um, how have you found or have you traveled much by yourself? 
yeah like absolutely. solo travel um not too much solo like I mean like I guess my trips were solo and then like when I was there I was like just meeting up with friends so I don't know if I would like call it solo solo but yeah I mean I found it incredible I just find like traveling like just helps you really discover yourself like I don't know like as cliche as that sounds it's like and then you have to learn how to be super independent and you grow up really quick and I just really like I love that I love being able to fend for myself and being able to speak the language helps a lot you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I couldn't agree more I yeah I completely completely agree with you um so when you've been traveling I feel like you've also tried a lot of different cuisines from a lot of different places. What has had like a lasting impact on you? If you associate a food with a place, can you like describe an experience where you've been like, I have never forgotten that meal or that, you know, night stall or whatever it was in a specific place? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Listen, I love all Chinese food, except there was one, hmm, there was one time I didn't, but we can talk about that later. Um, sorry that was the one that just came to me all of a sudden and I was like <laughs> we can do the that? opposite either it could be a negative one <laughs> okay well I love everything except for this one thing which was brain um I did try brain in hot pot not a mm-hmm. we ordered it accidentally let's just say yeah um so I did not enjoy that one that one's a little too mushy for me it's not my kind of texture <laughs> but, but anyway um yeah 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 otherwise everything's so good so in Harbin there was like a really famous dish and it was there was like a little stall like really close by to our university and it was uh guabaro and guabaro mm. it's like it's like I think it's pork it's crispy it's, pork yeah. crispy fried pork and it is one of the nicest dishes I have ever tried oh yeah oh yeah that's good stuff right there. Yeah. Oh, I just think that of- northern cuisine, not yeah. northern cuisine is incredible. Yeah, it hits different. It totally does. <laughs> um, so you've studied in Harbin. You've also studied in Taiwan and mm-hmm. you've studied in, am I wrong in saying Hong Kong? Oh, yeah. No, I was only there for two days. I didn't study there. I wish I did, though. <laughs> how have your study abroad or, you know, your study experiences in all these different places, how have they been? I think, like, honestly, some of the best things that I've done. So I've studied in Harbin twice. Um, Each time was a month long. So it wasn't, like, super long things, but I just wanted to travel around for the summer, too. So I was like, I'll do a one-month program, and then I'll travel. Um, And my one in Taiwan was four months, so a whole semester. That one was crazy. That was intense, like, really intense. I think that these kind of intensive language programs are so beneficial to your learning. It is so wild to see where you would have been at before and then after. Like, you're not only learning for like three, four hours in class, but then you have to go out into the world and actually like communicate with locals, which is so hard, but it's so fun because you're learning new things, but, and like you're, you're practicing talking and you have to get out of your comfort zone in so many different ways. It's just honestly like it's amazing and we're so lucky as foreigners to be able to like have the opportunity to even have scholarships to actually go and study like that's such a big incentive for me because it's like it's kind of hard sometimes to justify traveling especially when you're a working lady so having mm-hmm. the scholarships is a nice like incentive to like go there and it helps them also reach their goals of like letting more people learn about the language and the culture so yeah it's amazing I love it everyone should do it 100 percent I couldn't agree more. And I feel like this is something that not a lot of people actually know about. I feel like if we can take this opportunity right now to 
give people some more information. So for example, I was only looking a few weeks ago and if you want to, you can go online and look for a scholarship for a certain program in China. It could be a summer semester. So it could be for the summer for three months. It could be studying for, you know, one month or a couple of months in your experience. Like, can you describe what your experience has been with applying for a scholarship like that? And then the logistics of actually like getting a visa, going to study there. Mm-hmm. So I got really lucky. My ones that were in mainland China, uh, both to Harbin, those ones were actually like partnerships with my university so it was really really easy to apply so like if you're already in university like I recommend like go just check out if there's anything available at your university to go um because mine I got really lucky it was a one-month program at our sister university in China so it was yeah that was a pretty easy one for me for me um I can't really recommend how to do it otherwise because I don't know um but the one for (laughs) Taiwan I did completely I had to do it from start to finish like you know you need like recommendation letters you need to showcase um like you're you have to have like a letter of interest or something like that as well and like i don't know like these kind of things i applied to one that like required the least amount of stuff and was probably the cheapest um and i got into that one so i just did that like it's it's not that bad like taiwan is pretty easy though they have two different types of scholarships um Mm -hmm. the one of them was like the the Han Yu Enrichment Scholarship. So I think that was just the language one. They also have another scholarship if you don't want to study Mandarin, but you want to study something else, like anything, like English, philosophy, whatever. Like you can still get scholarships from them too. Okay, incredible. Yeah, that's that's a really good point to make. It doesn't have to be just for studying the language of Mandarin or Cantonese or whatever language it is. It can also be for some other kind of major. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really, really good point. To add to what you said, I think, like you said, ask your university and they're always really happy to help out if there is like a partner university or something like that. For the year that I was living in Hainan, I actually just by myself, similar to you in Taiwan, I just applied for a scholarship for anywhere in China. You put your top three areas or regions where you wanted to go. I think I had like Qingdao as my top one because it was by the sea and I thought it would be amazing. And I think I had, I don't know what was second, but third was Hainan. And I ended up getting Hainan and I went there, lived there for a year, studied for a year. And it was just the best experience. I think maybe people don't realize, but if you do one of those courses, you're studying from, for us, it was like from eight or nine until 12 every day you have four hours of Chinese class it's really intensive and then yeah for the rest of the day like you said you're speaking in Mandarin you're going out and trying to fend for yourself and you're trying to learn new words as you I don't know go to the supermarket or go to the doctor or whatever it is you're literally always learning and it's exhausting it is (laughs) it's the most immersive thing you will ever do yeah literally imagine Kate I'm just like, I just had flashbacks to when I was just trying to find like shampoo and then conditioner. I wanted conditioner. I don't know how to say that in Mandarin. <laughs> you can't find that on Pleco. Nope. What in the world? And so I was just like guessing. And then I was like, I was asking the store associates. I'm like, you know, after the shampoo, like, what do you put on? Like, where's that? And they're like, what are you talking about? I was, I was like, so embarrassing. <laughs> that's yeah that's hilarious I feel like you have so many experiences like that Mm -hmm. that you don't know what it is you you become 
an expert at charades because you're literally just acting everything out in your everyday life yeah but hey it's actually not the worst thing in the world though either because then you have to explain what it is without saying what it is so it's like like for me it was like oh you know after the shampoo so it's like you would have to say like you know like like you know like i don't i don't know how to even say it, but like you know, you have to find ways to describe it still. So it's still like very, very valuable to you regardless. And then they'll be like, oh, is it this? And then you'll hear them say it and you're like, oh, that's the word. And they write it down. It's incredible. I know it's, um, yeah, definitely memories that will last forever. <laughs> Sometimes in a negative scarring way and other times in the best way possible. But yeah, it's definitely something I'd recommend. Um, so continuing on about travel, now you're back in Edmonton, where you were born and raised. You are showing people the most incredible things to do and to eat in Edmonton. How has it been for you to kind of like rediscover your local area? Incredible. I, it made me love the city so much more. Like, honestly, like, I'm, I'm just going to brag about Edmonton a little bit. But like, we got a beautiful river valley. It is the biggest like green space in Canada, like within a city. So like, we have the river valley. It's like hours of hiking trails so many kilometers i can't remember the exact amount but like you can just like walk through the river valley for like hours and hours and hours and hours it's incredible um and not only that but like our local business economy is incredible like the amount of local business owners that are starting up their own restaurants that are opening up their own shops that are like there's so many markets here like i just got chills like i just love it there's so much creativity there's so much drive ambition and a want for them to like bring something to new to the community so there's always something new like it's not like people are opening up the same kind of businesses no like everything is different everything has a unique vision and they're bringing in their own cultures because Canada has so many cultures in it so like recently I went to this Italian place they literally import everything from Italy and like so I'm, I'm like having charcuterie with everything straight from Italy a few days before and it's like the flavors are so different. They're so unique. Like there's nothing else like that in the city. It's just, sorry, I get really like cheesy about it, but, um, I love the city and it's so beautiful to like be a part of it and showcase what it has to offer. So, yeah. Well, you're doing a fantastic job because every time I look at your TikTok, I go on Skyscanner and see when the next flight to Edmonton or anywhere in Canada is just so I can, you know, hop on over and have a look. No, literally, <laughs> whenever you come, you let me know. Like, I will take you around. We'll go to the mountains even. Like, we're so close. Like, I'll take you everywhere. You'd love it. It looks incredible. It looks like I have the, the best of both worlds with regards to, like, doing things, but also being so close to nature and being able to just step away from technology and your phone and just be in wilderness. It's so nice. Like, yeah, like you can go to the river Valley. We have a national park, literally 20 minutes that way. Like there's a national park there. And then three hours that way, there's another one. Like it's, well, oh, I'll take you everywhere. <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> okay. Um, if we hop on to our last part for today. Um, what is next for Jen Tomsky? What is next in your plans? Ooh, that's a very general question. Let's see. Um, I think that recently I've been very like career driven, I think. So that's probably the biggest thing for me. I have, I'm starting to get really a lot more involved in terms of my comms business, like my social media agency. So I'm working really towards like growing my team and growing our services and becoming experts in our services. So it's just kind of going to be a little bit of learning for the next, um, 
few months. Uh, and you know, we even hired an intern. Like I never thought I'd do that. Like, so we have an intern and like, she's helping us grow our social media. Cause we work so hard on our clients that like, mm -hmm. we haven't done our own. So like we hired them to do, uh, do ours. That's been beautiful. Um, yeah, I think like in terms of that, like, I'm just really excited to see that part grow and see where we can kind of take it. Um, and in terms of my personal social media, I'd say that I really want to do more traveling. So like kind of bring it a little bit outside Edmonton and go back, go back, um, you know, going around Alberta, going around Canada, maybe even something that's closer to home. Cause I do work full time. So, <laughs> you know, I do need to, uh, you know, manage my time wisely, I guess you could say. And, mm -hmm. uh, next year I'm also, I am planning to do some travels, which is into China again. So I'm very excited about that. That is, that is incredible. And I know I can speak for myself, but I can definitely speak for other people when I say, cannot wait to see you travel more like within Canada and going back to Asia or China. It's definitely something that I will be hovering over your youtube page waiting for waiting for the good stuff um we'll put links to all of jen's social media in the show notes so you can check out her youtube her instagram and her tiktok so the last thing for today jen i have a fun segment for you i think you'll really appreciate this so we have a fun segment that is a quick fire round very easy it's this or that are you ready mm -hmm. okay first question if you're in china what would you choose a high-speed train or a plane? High-speed train. Girl after my own heart. <laughs> okay, next question, next question. I know you're a big lover of food. You're a foodie. We know this. Would you choose hot pot or Korean barbecue? Mm. Korean barbecue. <gasps> no, is that because of the brains? Are you scared? <laughs> No, I just I just love grilling stuff. Oh, you like the DIY. Okay. I do, okay. I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next question, also food related. If you were to have a breakfast food in China, would you have the traditional Cantonese like dim sum? Or would you have a street food tian being? You know, like the pancake? Oh my god, no, stop it. Um, um uh, uh, dim sum probably. <laughs> that was a hard one. I love both so much. Dim sum, interesting. Yes, okay, dim sum we're learning. Have, you can have like so many different things, you know? And I'm a sucker, a sucker for a good chang fun. <laughs> you're you're literally a local. A local. <laughs> okay. Um Okay, going more so to weather, if you had to experience a typhoon or a heat wave, what would you choose? Heat wave. Ooh, okay, interesting. I that one's tough too, because like a typhoon, I'm just like, I'm the amount of typhoons that I experienced when I was in Taiwan, like you literally can't go anywhere. But a heat wave, mm. at least you can go to like a mall and it's like, you know, and at least Very you can true. get there. In a typhoon, you can't necessarily even get there. Yeah, typhoons are insane. I've only ever experienced one in Guangzhou and I can't imagine. I'm sure it's more intense in Taiwan because it's, you know, like such a place for them. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have two more questions. <laughs> so my next question is very generic. Beijing or Shanghai? Mm, I haven't been to Shanghai, but that's on my list for next year. So right now it's Beijing. Beijing. Okay. Beijing or Harbin? Beijing. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm not sure whether to torture you or not, but I'll go with this one. Uh, looking, you know, looking coffee. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you tried it? No. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to change my question then. If you had to choose between bubble tea, because I know how much you love your bubble tea, bubble tea or the best coffee you can imagine. Bubble tea always hundred P. And I'll tell you why. I'm not a coffee drinker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Can you give us the most important question of this whole podcast? What is your go-to bubble tea order? <gasps> Mango green tea, zero sugar, less ice with lychee jelly. <gasps> tapioca, depending depending on where it's from, because I have a place next to my house and their tapioca is not good. And I would not order that. But if the tapioca is good, like Coco's. You know what? Coco's, I can do that. Okay. Tapioca and lychee jelly. Boom. There was no hesitation there whatsoever. If you need to learn, if you need to learn how to order bubble tea, go to Jen's TikTok. <laughs> I love tea. She is a bubble tea aficionado, literally an expert. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. what? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. You can call me. You are a hundred percent. You can be like the bubble tea queen. It's incredible. Oh my God. Have I just been thrown? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, with regards to the scholarships that Jen and I talked about for studying in China, I'll put those in the show notes below. Um, and if you want to check out Jen, just check out her show notes. She has a channel on every platform, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Billy Billy. Um, but thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Jen as much as I did. You'll find all of Jen's social media linked in the show notes below. Also in the show notes below, you'll find the resources that we chatted about regarding studying abroad in China and those scholarships. If there's someone that you would like to hear from on the China Chats pod, just let us know. You can get in touch by emailing us at chinachatspod at gmail.com and we will get in touch with them. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please give us a follow on whatever platform that you are listening on. Thank you so much. See you next week.